Welcome to Life Together, a podcast for Gresham Bible Church, where we exist to glorify God in being disciples who make disciples of all people through the transforming power of the gospel. This is our 2021 Christmas episode. Merry Christmas, Gresham Bible Church. On this episode, Josh and I reflect on the wonder of Christmas, the reality that Jesus's birth really is good news of great joy for all the people. This week's podcast, Josh, we are excited to talk about Christmas. So we're going to have an episode. Christmas episode. The Christmas episode. Definitively. Yeah. That's right. So let's just get it started. Totally. What are your favorite things about Christmas? Oh, man. So let's just start. Like, when did you grow up in your family opening gifts? And when do you and your family now open gifts? Yeah, we were never allowed to open gifts on Christmas Eve. That's for sure. Wow. Okay. that was definitely a no-no. So Christmas morning was very cool, very special. And we always had like a big present when we were younger, meaning like you'd come out and it would be unwrapped already next to your stocking. And so it was, that was a huge deal. But now our family, the kids do one Christmas Eve present and it's usually like a board game or something for them to do throughout the day. And we actually do like one other present at the beginning of Advent basically, but it's always like pajamas and, uh, I think this year we, they got a book and an ornament or something. So, so it's, it's changed, right? So did you loosely. and Liz both grow up opening Christmas morning? So when you got married, it was just assumed, hey, no, it's Christmas she morning? No, something on Christmas Eve. Okay. I'm blanking on it now. I okay. should have better prepared for this episode. But <laughs> well, I, I didn't know we were going to be asking all the hard-hitting no, questions I, I, about I, Christmas memories. I'm asking memories. if Carrie listens to this episode, she'll be laughing. Of course, my, Mike is asking Josh about this because I enjoy asking other couples <laughs> when they open gifts now compared to when they open gifts. What's your story? So my story is growing up, my family and I would also open gifts on Christmas morning because that's Christian. But then when I got married to <laughs> Jesus Carrie, wasn't born yet, exactly, right? Jesus so, wasn't born yet. No, yeah. Carrie's family grew up Christmas Eve. And so oh, we wow. open presents Dang. now Christmas Eve. So your first fight really was... Yeah. I mean, it's still yeah. a thing 20 <laughs> years in, uh, but, but Christmas Eve is great, uh, but it's still something that, you know, mm-hmm. we enjoy asking other couples about it because mm-hmm. some families like us, you grow up differently and then you figure out, wow, now we're, we're married and we're starting our own family traditions and it can be like a thing, right? Oh yeah. It's, you know, two rival positions, Christmas morning totally. or Christmas Eve. So that's yeah. the background of that question. Sorry, Dude, that's yeah. Yes. What do you do on Christmas morning if you're opening presents on Christmas Eve? Uh, amen. It's somewhat <laughs> anticlimactic. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This is not helping our marital unity right now, Jordan. But anyway. That's great. Yeah. So how about let's just explore well, man, Christmas together. Yes. I love, I mean, I just, I have to say I love Christmas. Like I'm not a holiday person in general. Um, like I could take or leave Thanksgiving. I hate New Year's. There's way too much pressure around it to have fun. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to, this is probably going to be controversial. I'm not a big 4th of July person. Again, it's kind of one of those. It just feels like we're having a barbecue and we're trying to have a lot of fun. Uh, anything where there's basically a lot of pressure to have fun, like even like the, the holiday of Easter, like I love the Christian representation or what we're celebrating, but I'm just not a holiday guy, but Christmas, Mm. I'm like all about it. Like absolutely love it. Pro Christmas. I'm very like, 
Dude, so into it. Yeah. 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 All of it. Well, so that's just, you? Do you, do you, do you love Christmas or are you kind of like take it or leave it? Um, I do love Christmas. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not just seeing the look on your face. I don't know how I have the deepest <laughs> convictions. <laughs> you as see you a twinkle do. in my eye? <laughs> yeah, twinkle in that's your right. eye. Let's totally. talk Christmas. Yeah. No, I, I like love I Christmas too. Like I just got a Red Ryder BB gun or something. I will <laughs> say that I feel like um, sometimes I don't have to carry the weight of expectations of Christmas okay. as my wife does mm. in terms of gifts and having oh, it, you yeah. know, making the perfect Christmas for your kids. So yeah, yeah, Christmas is awesome, but there can be expectations associated with it and all totally. that kind of stuff can be a time of pressure, but yeah, l- let's just talk yeah. what's your favorite Christmas gift you've ever gotten. Yeah. Do you that's recall a really tough, anything? Yeah. That's a really tough one. I always wanted something related to sports, but I think the one that stands out in my mind the most is I got this pretty legit train set Ooh. that like, was battery operated or whatever, you know? Cause I remember my dad got like a, what is that? Like a four by eight sheet of um, particle board yeah, and like nailed it down. So it was like this whole thing, like it had to be set up even in our garage cause there was no space for this thing. But I just I'll always remember that as a kid. Like I'm not even an engineer type person. Like I'm not even that into like, was never into Legos or trains all that much. But for some reason I was like, that stands out. That was like, that's so I cool. Knew my dad did a, put a lot of effort into that basically. So that maybe is, that's why uh, I, love I thought that. it was really cool. That's awesome. And it's Christmas, man. I mean, who doesn't like trains at Christmas? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. They go hand totally. in hand. How about flip side of that? Maybe, I don't know if worst is the best way, worst Christmas <laughs> gift, most awkward, something that you just comes to mind. Like, Oh, that's funny that you oh, can geez. say on the podcast. <laughs> oh man. I, that's a great question. I block out all my negative memories. So I, don't, I don't know. I'm sure there was something I like was disappointed in, but uh, I think the only time I, I mean, this isn't answering that question, but the only time I felt disappointed was I was disappointed in myself. Me and oh, my si- okay. my sisters when I was five, we snuck into this area where we knew all the presents were, and we just looked at what we got before Christmas. It like ruined it for us oh man so and i got like some plastic rocket or something you know what i mean like i remember it was like red and white and but uh so no bad gifts just bad bad kid you know yeah so yeah what about you though i mean your favorite and worst favorite i'd have to think about a lot i think it's a classic gi joe type set that my dad did the same thing plywood in the basement bought us a few like gi joe like yeah forts and then he put all the figures together looking back that was awesome of my dad to spend so much time doing it um oh yeah worst though now it's more like best but at the time i'll share the story briefly i won't do it justice but carrie and i uh got engaged um the september of my senior year of college so that christmas we're going over to her family's house in bend to celebrate christmas our first kind of christmas you know as an engaged couple Mm -hmm. looking ahead towards marriage and uh you know money was a stress right so on the way over to bend i'm like carrie god's gonna provide for us it's it's gonna work out god's gonna provide and then on christmas eve because we open gifts on christmas eve carrie's uh family has a tradition of lotto lotto tickets in the stockings yeah so they hey mike dump out your stocking scratch those lotto tickets off and i scratch one off i'm like whoa like one or two hit right and on that third one like this wins and i i'm just so pumped and i i I show it to carrie and i say carrie look i told you god's gonna provide god's gonna provide (laughs) and then then my future supposed to be for just ten thousand dollars oh that's it and that's it but i mean you're engaged like this solves all your problems right 
And I, uh, my father-in-law is like, Mike, read the back, read the back. How do you redeem it? It's Mike. Oh, and I'm reading it. And then it says, redeem this at your mama's house. And my father-in-law is just dying because he's pulling a joke on me and it just crushed me. And anyway, like emotionally put yourself out there. Emotionally, I put myself out there. This is God's answer to prayer. And God's just shaking his head like, you're an idiot. Exactly. So anyway, I'm I'm not sharing the story justice, but that's kind of a a story we reflect on in our family that was the worst Christmas gift and yeah. yet the best both at the same time oh yeah yeah that is wonderful yes i love yeah. that yeah so Man, what about your um do you have like a favorite christmas tradition like something that you do every year or maybe you did as a kid that you loved yeah we never had a ton of traditions to be honest okay. i could talk about a lot of different reasons why different family backgrounds and yeah. different stuff um yeah, there's no one thing like, you know, okay. the same set of pajamas or something. My yeah. my dad's mom, my grandma would get us, uh, us meaning my two younger brothers and I, a Christmas sweater every year. Oh, yeah. That was a tradition. I wish it hadn't <laughs> been the case because they were amazingly awkward Christmas sweaters. But yeah, yeah you? Uh, looking at Christmas lights. It oh, was like a okay. big deal. We'd always do our Christmas Eve service. And then my family, we'd go to this part of town that was like the really nice neighborhood and look, drive through and look at lights. Like everybody did. It was like packed. Mm. You just kind of slowly drive through and everyone put these like tea lights and brown paper bags and line the roads with them. So that was always the best. And now, and so we still do that. Well, that's this Saturday, cool. I think we'll go look at Christmas lights as a family. So oh, love that. Awesome. Our yeah. favorite about, Christmas oh. cookie. Chris, all of them. I don't discriminate. Them. You? You don't have a favorite Christmas cookie? <laughs> no, I just no, love cookies. Yeah. 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 That's not you? A, it's not a Christmas cookie if you eat it all year <laughs> round, okay? So, uh, no bakes. Oh, I should have said that. Those are my favorite. Dude, Great so call. Good. Great call. Or like the chocolate-covered Oreos. Those are really good. Oh, yeah. Those are good. We should have eaten some You're of those during guy? the podcast. I'm a fudge guy. I grew up a fudge. That was the thing. Yeah. Nuts or no nuts? No nuts, for okay. sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. gross. Okay. Um do you have any traditional family meals like a traditional Christmas meal that you had or you still have now? Uh, no, but it does seem like we often have scallop potatoes with ham with yeah. my in-laws. So that's delicious. That's good. Yeah. You <laughs> sorry. I'm like, you're loving my questions. Uh, yeah. We, well, I grew up with chili and cornbread. Oh, that's, that's right. So we had okay. every Christmas Eve night. Ooh, good call. And I think it was pragmatic because my dad was a pastor, so they, we always had Christmas Eve service, so my mom couldn't, like, go all out. You could yeah. just slow cook that thing in a crock pot. And, but, yeah. Do you still do that for your family now? We did early on, and now we don't. Liz main, usually does, like, pot roast, okay. which is kind of like our thing now. Yeah. So, she lo- like, pot roast is, like, one of her favorite meals Ooh. and super good. So, I benefit from that. Yeah. Yeah. How, how about favorite Christmas song? Oh, man. <laughs> I have categories for this. Ooh, okay, let's go. Uh, the uh, Andy Williams, it's the most wonderful time of the year. That classic, mm. it's in like everything. Yeah. That, when I hear that song, I'm like, it's Christmas. Like, love that one. Uh, or Carol of the Bells. Oh, okay. Like, pretty much any version, especially the Home Alone version. But yeah, <laughs> like those two, easily, really good. There's a song called All Is Well. Do you know this song? Mm, it's not coming to mind, but it, maybe. I heard it first on I ask this you to really sing old it right school yeah. uh, Michael W. Smith Christmas album. <laughs> 1990. <laughs> like See, I, tried to, ones, I tried to block that out from yeah. my memory. <laughs> yeah. 
Christmas is weird because it kind of like all my normal musical interests like go out the window. Yeah. And I like will bust out like Sandy Patty or like Tennessee Ernie <laughs> Ford <laughs> or Michael W. Smith. Right. So uh, all is well. Great one. And uh, last one I'll say is uh, there's a song called it's an old folk song, but it's called I Wonder As I Wander. Do you know this one? No, that's I love the title. Off Sandy Patty's album. I'm going to uh, write this Future down. Future of okay. Forestry uh-huh. has a great version of it that just came out with it last year. Oh, two years ago. Super good. I wonder as I wander. And it's just like I it's like this person wondering and wandering. But they're wondering about why the son of God would come and die. Hmm. It's 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 really simple song, but it's like beautiful it's wonderful wow. how about i have what to ask you? Yeah, you worst go. christmas song oh man controversially i'd say probably little drummer boy wow so okay it's just too much repetition and not a lot being said we get so. it lots of drumming <laughs> totally. yes what about you okay. favorite christmas i song? don't know if i have a worse but jordan said something before the podcast jordan would you mind sharing your worst i think he's right yeah the beatles are probably the greatest band of all time but simply having wonderful Christmas time is oh, one yeah. of the worst songs yeah. ever written. Now it's in my head right now. Oh, it's just so bad. Words in combination does it. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So by the way, Michael W. Smith's song came out in 1989. I just looked it up. Oh, thank you. You're Appreciate welcome. that. Yeah. That's, that's, a good, that's a good fact right there. Uh, that's awesome. Well, as yeah. a so you lover, have a favorite Christmas song. No, I mean, I love like, Oh, Come, like Come, Emmanuel. I, mean, no, I know. No cookies. No, like, I like no. Joy of the World. I do love No Bakes. I didn't. Yeah. See, those have bursted out of the Christmas category for me. Those yeah. are like year-round cookies. for the Christmas episode? No, did, do you even do Christmas? <laughs> you just show up today in your pajamas or something. Yeah. I wish. That's no. a great idea. All right, you have to have something here. Okay. okay. Favorite Christmas movie. You got to have something. I would still say It's a Wonderful Life. I know that's, that's going to label me. It's probably extra cheesy. What does that label you as? I don't know. Overly nostalgic. Okay. Overly, uh, I don't know, just taking the easy answer. But I think that's still yeah. a great Christmas movie. And of course, Home Alone. Yes. I mean, you can't go totally. wrong with Home Alone, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. You? I used to say it's a wonderful life. Um, then I grew up. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm just joking. No, if I was a grown man, I would actually probably say that. Um, I love the movie Family Man. So that's probably right up at the top. Family Man. Nicholas Cage, man. Yes. So I am. Uh, people make fun of me, but I like. I don't like. Wait, so in this really, podcast, I we like drop love, Michael W. Smith, <laughs> totally. Sandy Patty, and Nicholas. Cage. I love Nicholas Cage, yeah. and I like simultaneously. You were not. Don't ashamed. think he's that great of an actor, but yeah. for some reason, my wife makes fun of me all the time. Uh, Nick Cage, this. man. So Family Man, it's kind okay. of it's a wonderful life ish. I don't kind think of a, I've he ever gets a seen glimpse it. of like what his life would have been like. Okay, so it's kind of it's it's a wonderful life, but in a different way, but. It's great. I so appreciate yeah. you sharing this. I definitely look forward to watching it. And Home Alone's up there right at the top. That one's like, you watch that closer to closer to Christmas. Oh, it's so you great. can't go bad. Yeah. And I love watching Home Alone with your own kids now, right? Oh, and they yeah. think it's funny. Yeah. And yeah. It's so good. There's yeah. a new Home Alone on Disney Plus that just came out this year. Have yeah, you seen it? Yeah, we just watched it. You guys? We laughed out loud. Yeah, I thought times. it was good. And it takes a lot for me to laugh out loud. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. Totally so, agree. Uh, but the wife in that, who's the crook? Yes. Uh, she's she was she's on the office. Yes. 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 She's funny. Yes. Yeah, so we liked it. It was yeah. good. Yeah. So it's now my four-year-old Isla's favorite Home Alone. Really? Uh, so, which she doesn't know anything about life. So yeah. we'll give her a pass <laughs> on that. But, you know. So. Uh, how about other, <laughs> any other things for Christmas you yeah, want to no. explore? There's so much we could talk about. There is so much. But, you know, I'm 
I'm Christmas out. You're, so I'm just kidding. No, I'm more just disappointed that you don't have any I, favorite I know. anythings. I'm just, I, I, it takes me a while. I'm slow on the uptake. That's I have to good. really think about it for a while. So, That's good. Yeah. We'll come back next year and you'll have okay, another, let, let's do. something else to say. Yeah, so. I look forward to giving commentary on uh, if I love family man. Family man. <laughs> family man as much yeah. as you do. So, okay. You probably won't, but you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's good. Uh, no, but so I, good. Uh, I love... I, I don't know about you, but I am admittedly a very nostalgic person mm-hmm. and uh, will often, my wife, Elizabeth, teases me. She'll make fun of me because I just call, said my wife and I'm trying to get better at saying Elizabeth. <laughs> but uh, Elizabeth teases me because often we'll look back on any point in our life that was even hard and I've like romanticized it. Like I worked at Home Depot over in Troutdale the first six months we were married and I like hate it. It was horrible. And when we left, we'd go back into Home Depot's and I was like, I'd smell the lumber section and be like, yeah. oh man, I miss Home Depot. She's like, you hated Home Depot. So I just romanticize everything and can turn anything into a nostalgic thing. That's why when you ask me what my least favorite Christmas gift is, I'm like, I don't know. I love all of them, you know? So, yeah. okay. but I'm very nostalgic. And I think Christmas is this like time of year where at least for a lot of people, not everybody for sure. Um, but for a lot of people, it's a very nostalgic time. We're thinking about this is what I did growing up. And when you get together with, you know, when you get married, you know, you're com- like you're expressing, mm-hmm. you're discussing traditions and what kind of traditions are you going to have? And that, there was a lot of pressure, I think, even around that when we were first married and started having kids. Yep. And so um, we were just really nostalgic, I think, around this time of the year. And I don't know, I, I think for many times in my life and I think about my own nostalgic tendencies, I've thought about it as like a bad thing, you know, mm-hmm. but I do think there's something good about being nostalgic mm-hmm. in the sense that if you're nostalgic about something, I think you're reflecting on something that was good, you know, something that uh, like a memory, a time in your life that was good. And so you're reminiscing about that. And God yeah. gave us these memories to remember things. And if I'm being nostalgic about something, that means there's something in my past that I've experienced that's good. And if everything good comes from God, mm-hmm. then I think in a sense being nostalgic, especially this time of year, could yeah. be a really good thing. Yep. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. But I think where we get in trouble, myself, number one on that list, is if we continually use our nostalgia to go, I wish I could go back. I wish I could go Mm -hmm. back to the past. Mm -hmm. And I've done that in my relationship with God even. I mean, I'll think back to seasons of my life where I um, was just so all in and just, you know, whatever ways I was measuring my relationship with God. I think back to a time when I lived in Istanbul for uh, five weeks Mm -hmm. and I was like, man, that was it. If I could go back and I could have that sort of relationship with God again for years, I thought that way. Um, My nostalgia drove me backwards. So if my nostalgia is doing that and not causing, I'm not being free up to live in the present or press forward in the future, then I think it's pretty dangerous, especially around Christmas, because Christmas, as we've talked about or are going to talk about, is about us looking back yep. to God sending his son. But then it always presses us forward to look ahead, right? Mm. To want to to move ahead, you know, mm-hmm. to, to press onward into the future. And so um, nostalgic, I think, is a great thing. I enjoy the random questions, you yeah. know. Um, but we want to press forward, right? And, and Christmas forces us in yeah. a good way to do that. Yeah. To go, hey, our best days are ahead of us. You and know. That. So 
Yes. So just out of curiosity, do you know that about yourself enough now when you come into the Christmas season, like you've prepared yourself to kind of leverage nostalgia or not to just, just leave it at nostalgia? Does that make sense? Like how do you move past or behind or beneath nostalgia to get right. to what it really should point to? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I live it perfectly for sure. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think I've grown in the last few years of just being okay to not have to get myself into a certain place where, cause I would have almost mm. expectations around Christmas and what it was supposed to be like. Okay. And now I don't feel any pressure and I can throw on Michael W. Smith, you know, and, uh, <laughs> enjoy it. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa, so I'm losing a okay. lot of credit right now with probably anybody, but, uh, so I can do that and I don't feel bad about it. But then yeah. at the same time, I think what's really helped me is uh, the last few years, especially, I'm grabbing an Advent devotional. I'm um, just trying to be more intentional in my own meditation around the incarnation. And uh, the last few years, we've really been more intentional about taking our kids mm. through the season of Advent every day, looking at a part of scripture that's leading up to the birth of Christ. That thrusts me out of just simply the nostalgia around Christmas yeah. and pushes us, I think, into the greatest meaning and celebration of it, you know? And so that's always then fresh. So every year now, I feel like it's pushing me ahead because I'm, I almost feel like I'm getting hit afresh every time yeah. with the incarnation. Man, so, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for talking that through. Yeah. So let's kind of <laughs> like step into that a little bit more. There's so much that could be said, but this is the Christmas podcast episode for 2021, that's right. right? That's right. So what are some of those things that, you know, pastorally, even as a, a dad, what are some of the truths, the beauties, the wonders, the glories of Christmas that mm. are fresh for you or you think are particularly, you just kind of want to share on this podcast episode. I thought I'd start more open-ended and go from there. Yeah. I, I think maybe um, I, I just, this is such a generic thought. Like this isn't very specific, Yeah. but this year again, I've just found when you just slow down and you actually think about the words that are coming out of our mouths when we're singing, the Christmas carols or when you actually think about the words Emmanuel God with us um, that God took on flesh like when you just think about that like that is it literally just blows my mind hmm. you know I mean what an incredible God we have you know I mean who could make this kind of stuff up Amen. Uh, that our God, like that Jesus today, the son of God has a, a body, a resurrected body. I mean, God is forever united and linked to his creation mm -hmm. that he's redeemed. I mean, it's really mind blowing. And so I mean, me and Jordan have been reading a book together. Was it called gospel driven ministry by Jared Wilson? Mm -hmm. Right. And he just has a really simple statement in there. Like, um, you're, you're actually saying to the, the reader, like me, like you are boring. You know, yep. what else does he say? Yeah, it's, it says you are boring. Your ideas are boring. Your dreams are boring. <laughs> the things you do are boring. And then he contrasts that with, but Christ is not. The incarnation yeah. is not. The gospel yeah. is not boring. Yeah. Wow. And that's kind of what I'm just saying. Like simply around this time, if I've gotten bored with Christmas, there's not a problem with God. There's a problem with me. Amen. You know, I mean, because what you're even thinking about is too wonderful. Mm -hmm. 
uh, it's this it's the stuff that this world can't make up so too generic of a thought but i know uh for us you me and jordan we read saint athanasius's classic book um on the incarnation um which was meant just to kind of feed our souls a bit around oh, yeah. the wonder of the incarnation it has an introduction by c.s lewis um Ours that you and me read was translated by John Bear. <laughs> Smiling. <laughs> Jordan's was translated by um, whoever wrote Blue's Clues or something. But wow. <laughs> Sister <laughs> Penelope Lawson. May she rest in peace. Hers is just a little bit more modern. I'm just kidding. It's, it's fine. It's all right. Uh, but yeah, so we read this book together on the incarnation by St. Athanasius um, as a way to kind of feed our souls. And I think yeah. that's a great encouragement just to try to feed your own soul. Oh yeah. I so appreciate this, so. you encouraging us to read this book. I love it too, because it's out of our current time and place. Right. So it's hard in terms of the language or some of the ideas because mm-hmm. it's written in what? 300 AD ish. Yeah. I was trying to actually look that up. Yeah. So he was born in 299. Okay. Uh, it's almost hard to even say years like that because it doesn't. <laughs> what is too, that? We're missing a number there. Uh, and he um, he became the bishop of Alexandria on June eighth, three hundred and twenty-eight. So somewhere in there, um, after there is when he wrote this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we could just briefly share some takeaways or impressions from the book that have stuck with us because I'm with you reflecting on the incarnation as I get older, mm-hmm. man, it is critical for my health as a believer, for um, as a dad, as a husband, to fuel mm-hmm. the wonder of how great our God is, that mm-hmm. this is how God designed things to be. It shows, anyway, uh, let's just bounce it around and en- enjoy it together. So does that sound okay? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what stood out to you um, in the book that kind of refreshed you maybe. Yeah. I mean, there's a multiple things, I guess he's very intentional in terms of different aspects or components of the incarnation and what it tells us about, um, the nature of Christ. And I Mm -hmm. guess two things, one would be, uh, for those of us that have walked with Jesus for a while, like, you know, the right thing to say, but the wonder of, uh, the God of the universe taking on flesh and Mm -hmm. him doing that so that he can, um, be uh, faithful Mm. to me to understand Mm. my sufferings and my um, just frailties as a human, as a created being like that has been just fresh for me this year in a few different ways that he really does sympathize with us and our weaknesses. And that's not just empty language. He, he um, took action. He took on flesh to do that. So that wonder of it, I guess Mm -hmm. is hating me in some fresh ways. Mm -hmm. Um, And then secondly, in the book itself, or to quote a specific section in our um, adult version on page 53 that say, um, for speaking of the manifestation of the savior to us, it is necessary also to speak of the origin of human beings in order that you might know that our own cause was the occasion for his descent and that our own transgression evoked the words love for human beings so that the Lord both came to us and appeared among human beings for we are the purpose of his embodiment for our salvation. He so loved human beings as to come to be and appear in a human body. So Ooh. just that idea that's um, driven home throughout the book of, you know, uh, 
Jesus being the word, right? And then um, came because of who we are. And then that brings to mind one of my favorite quotes. I've told you guys this is just stuck out to me. Uh, Blaise Pascal famously said, um, the incarnation shows man the greatness of his wretchedness through the greatness of the remedy required. So mm -hmm. when we reflect on the greatness, the wonder of the incarnation, mm -hmm. it's because that how, uh, that's how deep my need is. My sin needs mm -hmm. the wonder of the incarnation to truly oh, yeah. save me. So yeah, it's something that stuck out to me. Man, what a great quote. Oh, it's awesome. I yeah. mean, we always talk, we always I think, you know, as Americans, have we're making progress all the time. But oh. when you hear people like that talk, you're like, we're regressing. I'm like, <laughs> so true. Like, we are not smarter. Yeah. Uh, How about you? No, I, I think to, to tee off that, I think what was really, what struck me, one of the things that struck me in St. Athanasius' book was that emphasis on uh, this, this is not only like, like because of who God is, um, this is his plan. Hmm. Right. This is the way to reverse the curse F for him to in his perfect attributes, in his goodness, uh, out of his love, out of his holiness. Um, it required basically for him to come divine in the flesh mm -hmm. to break the curse and to not just destroy all of creation. Yeah. Right. And um, I, that just strikes me when you, if you think about it that way, because, you, you know, we often hear people say, um, when we think about maybe even the incarnation, like he could have done, he could have saved us in any way possible, right? But he chose to do this. And I think in one way that's true, right? Like this is God's choosing and his, and his divine wisdom before creation of the world, right? But, you know, we read in the Bible how this was God's plan all along. Mm -hmm. and it, But it's really the only way that this could have happened. And so kind of piggybacking off the quote you wrote in section 20 of this book, so they don't really have chapter numbers in this book, um, but there's these short sections and section 20 says, and thus it happened that both things occurred together in a paradoxical manner. The two things are what? The death of all was completed in the lordly body of Jesus. And also death and corruption were destroyed by the word in it, word capital W, Jesus. For there was need of death, right, because of our sin, and death on behalf of all had to take place so that what was required by all might occur. Therefore, as I said earlier, the word, since he was not able to die, for he was immortal, took to himself a body able to die, that he might offer it as his own on behalf of all, and as himself suffering for all through coming into it. So I know it's like a lot maybe just to hear um, read on a podcast, but just the wonder of it. Yeah. You have the immortal God then saying, well, I'm going to take this body on mm -hmm. and with the intent of coming to die. Yeah, amen. That's uh, who our us. God is. That's, That's right. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was just, I've been reading 2 Corinthians um, and you have that great verse in there like um, – and he, um, what is it? He died for all. Um, well, I'm blanking on it. <laughs> Sorry now. But uh, one died for all, therefore all have died. Yes. Right. Um, so the so the so that those who live might no longer live for themselves, mm -hmm. but for him who for our sake died. You know, he died for all because we've all died. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is reversing that option. So. Um, 
So yeah, that's one thing that stuck out to me. I think the second thing, and I'd be curious to hear more of your thoughts around it, um, was uh, that uh, his second argument in the book, he calls it the um, divine dilemma regarding knowledge and ignorance. Mm -hmm. And I know we talked about that before and how helpful that was. Yeah. Sorry, I'm looking for what I had here. Yeah. So, uh, in regards to that section of the book and just kind of the idea, the thread running throughout in section 30 says for those having sound mental sight, the proof of the resurrection of the now immortal body effected by Christ, the common savior of all and true life is clearer through vis- visible facts than through arguments. Mm. So I just think there's so much, um, to be had from meditating on that last part of that sentence, clearer through visible facts than through arguments. So our, um, good news of the gospel, the incarnation is true through visible facts. That's just hit me maybe as a former history teacher, I just kind of love history, right? But like Mm -hmm. it's grounded in actual history, time and place, it's gritty. Um, The incarnation is historically true, the person of Jesus, then you have to press further into that. Someone could say, yeah, I believe there's this guy, Jesus, who walked around and yeah, maybe some of it's myth, maybe some of it's true. So kind of give mental assent to history, but then to kind of really press into that, it's more visible through facts than argument. Well, the facts of who he stated he is, it, again, the whole C.S. Lewis argument, right? It leaves you at a place you have to believe or not. And I don't remember who said it, but I heard a quote recently talking about you either have to believe the miracle of the incarnation or basically the miracle of the Big Bang. Mm-hmm. You, ha- you have to choose one miracle or the other because our existence isn't explainable outside of faith and some sort of miracle. So the miracle mm-hmm. of the incarnation, it's worth our time and our reflection. And mm-hmm. anyway, so that line stuck out to me clear through visible facts and through arguments, just the facts themselves about who Jesus is and him um, walking this earth and how it came to be historically true and factual. So anyway, right. it comes to mind for me. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, what you're saying, the his, Athanasius' section on that divine dilemma regarding knowledge and ignorance, it's just it, it again it's 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 sort of things um that we've heard before right mm-hmm. but when you read it uh you kind of often at least i often feel this way when i read things like i don't know if i really thought about it like that yeah you know totally and um i mean he has a question here for what would there uh, what profit would there be for those who were made right god us human beings if they did not know their own maker or how would they be rational not knowing the word of the father in whom they came to be for they would not have differed at all from the irrational creatures, so the rest of creation, if they had not, if they had known nothing more than the terrestrial animals. And why would God have made those by whom He did not wish to be known? So mm-hmm. basically, he he then unfolds that into talking about how the incarnation, one of its primary purposes, is so that God would be known. Yes, and uh, I I loved the part of um, this where uh, it's in section fourteen where he says, he talks about this person who has been painted on a piece of wood, right? That just tells you he's in the 300s, right? I mean, <laughs> the, the material he has to work with is wood. I mean, I think Jordan's is an iPad or something, but um, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, but it's a figure painted on wood. And if you paint a figure on a piece of wood over time, that, you know, gets soiled by dirt from the outside. 
And so he writes, it's necessary for him whose figure it is, who was originally painted, to come again so that the image can be renewed on the same material because of his portrait, even the material on which it is painted is not cast aside, but the portrait is reinscribed on it. So just like his way of attempt to go, the incarnation of, of God himself in Christ uh, comes and sort of reestablishes this picture, this imago deus. This is who yes. God is, right? And so, to the point where Jesus can say, "If you've seen me, you've seen the Father." It's it's a, it's a restoration of that image, so we can look at Jesus and go, "That's what a human being is," mm. yep. right? in the truest sense of the of the definition of the word. Um, being created by God, right? And so, I mean, what a wonderful thing then. We don't have to wonder uh, what God is like. And so that that last, um, he has these two different illustrations, one that relates to, you know, this dilemma of, you know, fixing death and how a king comes and takes up residence mm-hmm. in a city. And if a king comes and takes up residence in a city, um, the enemy no longer will attack that city because the king is there and it gives value and honor to that city. So he talks about the immortal then coming and taking on flesh to defeat our enemies, right? That's part of the image. But then he brings up that king image again at the end of the book. And when he brings up that image at the end of the book, he says, you know, if a king comes and reigns and is basically inside his own house and no one can ever see him or anything, they could be led astray by other people, right? Other people by name, hearing that there's a king and not seeing him, especially if they can't go into that house, right? I can't enter the house. I can't therefore know the king. So I'm then going to be led, be led astray by other kings or so-called mm-hmm. kings. But then he talks about how if the real king then emerges from the house, like in, in some sense, like you can't make up who this king is, right? You now know the king and you either could submit to that king and receive him for who he is, um, or you have to reject him. It's kind of the C.S. Lewis argument again, right? Yeah. Yep. And so I just think that's so helpful that God has come in Christ, and because of the incarnation, I can now have a knowledge of God. Yeah. That that act alone is showing us that God is a God who wants to be known. Amen. By He wants us to know Him. Uh, even to the extent that he's taken on a human body so that we could look at Christ and go, that's who God is. That's what he's like, yes. you know? Um, what an amazing thing, oh. you know? And then in his immortality then to defeat death and reverse the curse mm-hmm. so that we can have this great hope, you know? Amen. It's not boring. <laughs> Gospel is not boring. <laughs> no. no, amen. Yeah. Amen so, that. And, 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 and man, I think even when we discussed this book the other day, you know, at least for me, you know, you kind of just fumble around trying to even articulate it. Oh, yeah. Because, again, it's just like, how do you have language for this yeah. kind of stuff? Yeah. You know? That's so, who our God is. That's right. How, yeah. how about, um, I love, we've emphasized wonder and joy and just excitement of all of this, of Christmas time, Advent season, incarnation, right? But how about for those just thinking pastorally in our church, I know in my own heart in some different ways, how about those who aren't feeling that way this Christmas season, right? Any particular right. thoughts or just aspects of the incarnation of who God is it that you've shared already that you would just encourage someone with, um, 
you know, in terms of how does this minister to those who maybe Christmas season isn't their favorite time of year, right? Especially this year who re-experience loss or trauma or something like that. Anything, I don't want that sound trite, just a sentence on a podcast, but let's kind of speak to that a little bit. Well, that's what's so great about Christmas is even if you're not a nostalgic person because of you like the sort of surfacey kind of furniture, you know, of Mm -hmm. Christmas, uh, the the wonder of Christmas is that it ministers to the people who feel who are walking in darkness, Amen. whether it's the darkness of their sin or uh, who are walking in the darkness of their suffering, uh, because on them a light has shone. Hmm. Right? Um, Christmas is the best kind of news you could ever meditate on in a season of suffering and pain, yeah. like you I think said earlier. Just yeah. um, he he knows what our sufferings are like, like he's, he's come and endured even temptation and, um, what life is like. He knows what Mm -hmm. it's like to be rejected. He knows what Mm -hmm. it's like to feel alone. Like he knows what it's like, um, to be misunderstood, um, to be sinned against. Um, and he knows what it's like then to forgive Mm -hmm. and what it's like to offer grace. And, um, and, uh, so, I mean, thinking about Christ and who God is and what he's come to do and just meditating on that word Emmanuel is, I mean, it's the greatest thing you could do right now. Yeah. So if you're in the the bottom of the pit, you know, um, whether again, that's loneliness, depression or whatever it might be for you, grief, um, frustration with the world and the brokenness of it, um, we meditate on Emmanuel, Amen. knowing God is with us. He hasn't left us to ourselves and we know that he's moving this world towards a place where all we will know is Emmanuel. Yes. All we will know is light Ah, and he will wipe every tear away from our eyes. And that's only possible for us to say that we will experience that because he has come, you know? So that's my greatest encouragement is that people would, whether they're nostalgic or not, uh, both parties, right. That we'd actually slow down in meditate and you could, be a part of the busyness of the Christmas season. You just got to carve out time to slow down, yep. like get up early, like sit by your Christmas tree with your Bible open or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Right. And meditate on this. Amen. What's your encouragement? Oh, I mean, similar, I guess just the wonder that the creator would come in human flesh to save us. Those that would, kill him, mock him, not believe in him. Just the wonder of our God, like going backwards into the heart of God, that that was his intention before the foundation of the world. The idea, the best of all possible worlds is this, that God's that glorious and wondrous and I can trust him, you know? And this is a rabbit trail issue, so maybe I shouldn't bring it up on the podcast, but one facet, I guess, of the incarnation Mm. that's fresh for me, even Mm. this last week. I haven't shared this with you guys yet though, but um, I know that, so I don't know if this is good or not. No, you should be like, don't talk. (laughs) 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 It's just for Carrie and I, you know, our three youngest are adopted, right? So just thinking Mm. I've known this, right? Uh, you know, Jesus's earthly dad was an adoptive Mm. father. Mm. Jesus was adopted, so to speak at some level on earth Mm. and just thinking, man, I haven't really like pondered Mm. that or reflected Mm. on that. So that's something that encourages me Mm. in some of the difficulties that that can bring that like Jesus even knows that, 
right? Mm. Like, man, what a good God we serve. And yeah. uh, so anyway, there's yeah. so much to reflect on. That's so, right. Yeah. That's great. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Any closing thoughts, Josh? I thought, unless there's something else to come to mind, as this is the Christmas episode, we could maybe have a sound of some crackling fire. The Christmas lights are on on the tree. The stockings are hanging up. We're wearing our Christmas pajamas. Gather around. And could you read us like a Christmas reading? Comes um, to mind? Yes, totally. Sweet. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't have as cool of a voice as you do, but you know. Um, <laughs> not, not true. Yeah. So I thought I'd read this famous um these famous final words from a Spurgeon uh, sermon. So Charles Spurgeon gave a sermon at on Christmas Eve in 1854 at uh, the New Park Street Chapel in London. Um, and he writes um, about Emmanuel and the term Emmanuel. He says, Emmanuel, it is wisdom's mystery, God with us. Sages look at it and wonder. Angels desire to see it. The plumb line of reason cannot reach halfway into its depths. The eagle's wing of science cannot fly so high, and the piercing eye of the vulture of research cannot see it. God with us. It is hell's terror. Satan trembles at the sound of it. His legions fly apace. The black-winged dragon of the pit quails before it. Let Satan come to you suddenly and do you but whisper that word, God with us, back he falls, confounded and confused. Satan trembles when he hears that name, God with us. It is the laborer's strength. How could he preach the gospel? How could he bend his knees in prayer? How could the missionary go into foreign lands? How could the martyr stand at the stake? How could the confessor own his master? How could men labor? If that one word were taken away, God with us, tis the sufferer's comfort, tis the balm of his woe, tis the alleviation of his misery, tis the sleep with which God gives to his beloved, tis their rest after exertion and toil, ah, and to finish, God with us, tis eternity's sonnet, tis heaven's hallelujah, Tis the shout of the glorified, tis the song of the redeemed, tis the chorus of angels, tis the everlasting oratio of the great orchestra of the sky, God with us. Hmm. Thank you, man. So Merry Christmas, Gresham Bible Church. Yeah. Uh, thanks for joining us on Life Together. Hope you found this episode encouraging and helpful. If there's any comments or questions, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can do that by reaching out to me at mike at greshambible.org. Until next week. Thanks. Thanks.